Daniel J. Pierce just released a film that attempts to connect the dots between clear-cut logging and the mega-floods wrecking havoc on the B.C. interior. As he explains in the film, What I want to look at today, though, is these widespread floods that are happening across the province right now. I'm just going to scroll through some photos so you can see what I'm talking about. I'm sure we've all seen the images on the news, entire towns and cities inundated and evacuations happening in Princeton and Merritt. Uh, entire sections of the Coquihalla Highway have been completely washed out. So it's just utter devastation happening across the interior of the province right now. Um, I'm seeing a lot of talk on the news about, you know, the atmospheric river and uh, extreme weather and, and this unprecedented rain event and, and some connections to the climate crisis. And, and that's all correct and fine. But there's another side to the story that is not being told, at least I'm not seeing it told in the mainstream media. And, and that is the connection between these floods and extensive clear-cut logging across BC. Pierce has been filming forest issues since 2008, and many Cortez Island residents will remember the years he lived among us. The last time I was living on Cortez Island was 2018. Being in the city is a better place for my work, but I always left a piece of my soul on Cortez. I've been back to visit once, and I have the dream in my heart of telling the story of uh, the Cortez Island community forest. I would love to get back up there and do some more filming and like check in with the community and get all the latest and, and get a sense of how the endeavor has grown and changed there's definitely a connection but you have to look at it on a region by region basis and a situation by situation basis the story in the uh, lower fraser valley for instance abbotsford and chilliwack it's a very different place than up around Merritt and princeton sumas prairie used to be sumas lake it's a low-lying agricultural land that was drained many years ago water naturally wants to flow there. There was a pump station failure and a historic rain event. I, I don't want to downplay any of that. It was a perfect storm. When you look at places like Merritt and Princeton, you look at what's happened in the watersheds, you can't help but notice how much forest cover has been lost uh, from industrial logging and since the pine beetle. In those places where you have extensive clear cutting and there was flooding, I believe there is a connection and industrial logging, clear-cut logging, does affect the magnitude and the frequency of flooding, and this is so definitely supported by science. I understand Grand Forks is suing the BC government and forestry companies yes. over this very issue. Yes, it's just in its early stages. In 2017, the Kettle River flooded its banks a, a little bit, but it was a precursor for what was to come. In 2018, you had a snowfall that had come pretty late in the spring, and then it very suddenly shifted 
to hot summer weather. So all that fresh snowpack up on the mountaintops melted very quickly and it sent a lot of water dumping down. The Kettle River flooded. The whole of downtown Grand Forks was flooded. An entire section of town had to be evacuated. The low-lying part of the town, which was also the lower income part of town. In the aftermath of those floods, that entire part of town, North Ruckle, basically got bought out. The provincial government and the federal government provided funding for the city to buy out those low-lying neighborhoods, but at a fraction of the original cost of their homes. They went with the post-flood value of their homes rather than pre-flood, so people whose houses might have been worth $150,000 before the flood was worth forty or 50000 after the flood. So you had some people lose their entire life savings, and that entire neighborhood became displaced. Some people in the community started going to the source, which was what's going on in the watershed above Grand Forks. It was hit by the pine beetle like a lot of other places and logged rather extensively. There was this ramp up of clear cutting operations to salvage what the industry could from all that dead pine before it rotted or burned on the landscape where they would maybe be spending normally $25 a tree in stumpage to the government. They were paying 25 cents a tree. There only needed to be 30% dead pine in a stand, and the logging companies were able to clear cut all of it at that deep, deep discount. It was a short term gold mine for the logging companies to uh, salvage the pine on the landscape, but at the same time, they were logging all this healthy green wood, which severely degraded the watershed in a very short period of time. The class action lawsuit alleges that this logging in the watershed contributed to some degree to those other factors that I mentioned. Yes, there was high snowpack. Yes, it was a fast, but suddenly turned to summer and you had suddenly got all this hot weather. But the, you cannot deny that the, the hydrology of the area has been degraded. The other thing they point to in the lawsuit is that uh, a lot of the logging that's happening these days is happening at higher elevations. So they would have come for all the low-lying, easy-to-access timber very early on. So a lot of the lower elevation timber is gone. Now they're coming back with the timber at higher elevations above the snow line. When you clear cut above the snow line, you have 30% higher snowpack. And then when it suddenly turns hot, there's no shade. So the sun melts the snow then 30% faster, which then causes all that water to dump down the hill sides. And that's how you end up with these, you know, monstrous spring flood events. I'm essentially regurgitating this from Herb Hammond, who is a very notable forester and ecologist, and he sent me numerous uh, scientific studies that back up what he's saying. There's a study from forest ecologists Joe Yu and Yoon Alila on how logging affects flood risks. They found it actually doesn't take very much logging to significantly alter the peak flow. Floods can be sensitive to even small rates of forest harvesting, depending on location within the watershed. You get more and bigger floods, even just from logging 11% of a watershed. So even where there was just a little bit of logging, that can have a huge impact. When you look at the forests around Merritt and Princeton, it looks like almost half the watershed is gone. It's 
it's a staggering amount of timber. Now, you also need to match that up with a map of the actual watershed. Where is that water flowing and which part of that is actually going through merit? It's a pretty staggering visual to see how much forest cover has been taken off. And the forests naturally absorb water in a number of ways. First of all, you've got all the needles on the trees, which are just a massive amount of uh, surface area. When you go into a wet forest, every needle is covered with little droplets. That holds on to a lot of water. You've got all this understory in a healthy forest, especially an old forest, lots of plants and woody debris on the ground that acts as a sponge absorbing water. So all those fallen logs, all those fallen trees, all that plant matter on the ground, all that sucking up water. Where you have older trees, all that sucking up water. The needles are holding onto water. The roots are holding onto water and holding onto the soil. You've got the mycelial networks, the fungal networks that are holding onto water. So when you log, when you clear cut in particular, you're uh, removing a lot of that natural natural system that's sucking water up out of the ground. The roots aren't sucking water up anymore. The soil dries out. The fungal networks dry up. You don't have all that surface area holding onto water. So when it does rain, you can see it, especially when you fly a drone over these massive clear cuts that are like 10 years old or whatever, is you see these uh, these ravines almost being carved out of the landscape, right? Where you're having all this dirt and debris and silt and soil all run down with the rain. It's scouring the landscape and then it's it's clogging up the rivers. It's affecting the whole hydrological cycle. So when you clear cut these vast swaths of land, it absolutely affects the area's ability to retain water and to hold the soil together. Mm-hmm. Let me just say one more thing. I made a video this week called um, connecting the dots between uh, clear-cut logging and the BC floods. There are a lot of factors. It was an extreme rain event. There's a climate connection, and all that is true. And there was all that complexity in the lower Fraser Valley, and all that can be true. And at the same time, we have loaded the dice in favor of more of these such events by so badly degrading the hydrological functioning of the ecosystem. And a lot of people have said to me, oh, what about the wildfires? And what about the mountain pine beetle? And, and I would just like to say that, you know, it, when you take a longer view of this, like we, we can't look at wildfire or the mountain pine beetle, at, just as we can't look at this flooding event as purely as an act of God. There are human factors involved that have made all of these situations worse. So on the point of the mountain pine beetle, according to Herb Hammond, we created the pine beetle disaster, right? First of all, global warming removed the biggest control factor for the pine beetle, which was cold winters. We used to have longer, colder winters that would kill more beetle eggs over the winter. The hotter summers and drought conditions uh, stressed the trees. It, it actually diminished their natural uh, ability to fight back against the beetle. Second, uh, suppressing forest fires. We stockpiled vast quantities of mature pine forests and created a buffet for the beetles. The hotter summers and drought conditions uh, stressed the trees. It, it actually diminished their natural ability to fight back against the beetle. Beetles had always been part of the ecosystem, but we've created an imbalance in the ecosystem from decades of 
altering the ecosystem through logging and industrial forestry practices. We eliminated a lot of habitat for birds and other predators of the beetle that would actually help regulate beetle populations. Then clear cutting has dried out the landscape, stressed the ecosystems, and set up the beetle for successful attacks. The last thing I'll say is like how we chose to deal with the pine beetle only made matters worse, right? The forest industry saw it as a short-term gold mine to go in and log all that pine instead of taking a scientific approach and trying to prevent future outbreaks and use this as an opportunity to kind of break up these giant tenure holders. The BC government basically gave the logging industry carte blanche to go in and clear cut vastly unsustainable quantities. And we're now seeing the consequences of that across southern BC, our activity, how we've used the land, how we've degraded ecosystems over decades has, has actually led to more fires, more beetle outbreaks, and now more floods. You've been listening to an interview with Daniel J. Pierce, who just released a film about BC's floods and clear-cut logging. He, oh, he also kindly let me embed a YouTube version on the Cortez Currents website.